Hey folks, we're back. It's a goodlifebabe.com, Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. Episode 8. All right, y'all. We've got a very special guest in the house today on it's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. We've got Jumpin' Jay Mazza. <laughs> How'd you get the nickname Jumpin' J Maz? I think you just gave me that nickname. Did I just? Oh, did B Singer give you that name? Because that's I think B Singer has called me that. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so that's the only time you've ever heard the, the Jumpin' yeah, J Maz. Yeah, I've heard Jaybird, Jazz Maz, because that's my Hotmail thing since 1980. Whenever they started Hotmail, <laughs> you still have a Hotmail, also. Yeah, you can't get rid of it. Yeah. You know, because Why it's would you? too many people. Yeah, I know. Eventually yeah. it'll be like an antique, right? Yeah, exactly. It'll be like driving around in a 57 Chevy. It's the dignified email. <laughs> right. No, you'll be cool right. for having Hotmail and not being on Facebook. Right. That'll be hit. <laughs> exactly. When you're like 80. Yeah. Facebook's already for geriatrics. Oh, for sure. The kids, yeah, yeah, the kids yeah, right. are They're avoiding like, no it like fucking, plague. Yeah, right, You've got to right. be kidding me. So Jay is uh, with us. He's a distinguished uh, author, writer. Raconteur. Raconteur. We have lots of raconteurs on the podcast. All raconteurs, all, raconteurs. all the time. Exactly. Well, it's funny that, that we've had uh, we've kind of led off with writers uh, that on this go around more than more than anything. I writers think, so far, and right? then uh, Randy Perez, who's a raconteur filmmaker, for sure. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And Aaron Lambert, who is himself Complete just a great raconteur. storyteller. He's in D.C. right now, where Chief Monk Boudreaux is getting a. Lifetime award from the NEA, from the National Endowment of the Arts. Wow, about time. Yeah, yeah. So he's up there with his band to like sort of help commemorate that award uh, for the big chief. You know Aaron? Aaron's a drummer with yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he just did the Art Neville stuff. We had quite a lot of discussion about that because he wanted me to promote it on the Vinyl District. You know, you might know me from that because I do videography also. Mm. On the side, I was the guy running around with the camera. There you go. There you go. Yep. That, those were great shows, by the oh way. Oh, my God. And when art yeah. came out there, I was just like, wow, this is... And I was like, as I always am, up front and center. And I was like, holy shit. And then he stayed out. Because Aaron said, we don't know how long he's staying out. And, you know, he might not be able to sing. And we're not sure what the hell's going to happen. Right. And he just... You know, his voice is not what it used to be. But uh, the guy's had some, some medical issues and hard living. Sure. Up front and center, but, the name of one of your, but your first book that you published. It, technically, the second book, but the one that, the, as far as published, but the um, the one that I worked on the longest. I put out the Radiators book. I got the fish in the head, just as sort of like, did that in like four months. But up front and center took uh, about seven years. Wow, and uh, one of the things that I read from some reviews of your work is that you are a journaler. <clears throat> yes, yes. You, you've journaled every show you've been to since 1989. What? And the book is technically 79 to 99. And that was a lot of the what took so long is I had to figure out how to recreate. I mean, I remembered stuff, but it wasn't written down like the first 10 years of that time and um, that I was in New Orleans from freshman year. So where do you right. hail from? You came to I Tulane? was born in Newport, Rhode Island, and I came uh, down here from New Jersey to go to Tulane. Went to Summit High in Summit, New Jersey, home of Tony DeGrotti. Yeah? <laughs> huh, wow. Didn't know that. Yeah, huh. graduated about 10 huh. years before me from Summit High. He probably gets back about as often as I do. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Tony was a professor at UNO, I think. Uh, Loyola. Or, at still Loyola. Is. At still Loyola. Is. I'm yeah, sorry. He, That's he, right. He runs the Jazz Underground program, which is um, one of the great 
under-attended things. Say disparaging things about him? Um, you? you know, it's, it's probably not going to offend me. I mean, just one story. Oh, go for it. B Singer. Okay. Myself and Mel, way back in the day when we were, this was late 90s, and we loved Astral Project, but couldn't stand the Tony DeGrotto saxophone solos. Oh. Just, just was a buzzkill. Oh. And this was back in the day of the payphones. We left Jazz Fest one day. <laughs> we got a bunch of quarters. And we put him in the payphone, and we called UNO, or was it Loyola, wherever he worked, got through to his voicemail, <laughs> and just said... And just left horrible things on his voicemail. Like, we're going to kill you. Oh, no! And your closest family members. It wasn't me, it was Mel or B, because oh those guys, that's how they roll. Uh, he probably remembers that. We were I'm just, sure he does. We were just so upset. Now he knows. And you know he's like a Buddhist. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, he sense. has a very well, deep he's got spirituality that type of playing. You know? Oh well, I disagree. You disagree. I, that, I get it. That's all I right. had limited experience with them compared yeah. to you for sure. Um, but we ran into that that day. We decided to do that. Uh, we ran into uh, Vodakovich's wife, and we were just like, "Come on, Tony's bringing the band down, right?" <laughs> She's like, <laughs> "It's she, his band." She didn't say no. <laughs> she didn't say she no. She didn't say no. <laughs> So that felt, that was like the free pass wow. to leave the voicemail. Oh, my God. Deborah, I hope she it. never listens to this. Ah, I hope so, too. Oops. <laughs> or, we, or maybe we hope she does. <laughs> anyway, boy, that's a quick sidetrack on the pod. It sure is. Um, <laughs> just, keep, let's, just keep going, let's, man, let's, because, let's, you know. Let's you, talk about you, the vibe. I know Jay before I was like, am I going to do all the talking? Like, clearly it's evident. <laughs> clearly <Yeah>. not. <laughs> um, Vinyl District. You want to tell us about what you're, that's what you're currently doing? I'm doing that. That's um, a blog that uh, started basically to save record stores, and clearly we've succeeded. Yeah, how, how so? Uh, the guy who started it's up in D.C. started it in 07. It was, um, you know, vinyl was, was really in the tubes then, and... Uh, he basically started as a way to, I forget what the exact tagline is, but, you know, something keeping, not keeping vinyl alive, but it's something like that. And the idea was that, um, you know, we were going to highlight vinyl, and um, since then it's grown dramatically to, um, well, I don't know how many act cities are active right now, but there were 17, including London, Toronto, San Francisco, Chicago. Chicago's still quite active. San Francisco's quite active. And six years ago, through a mutual friend, uh, Margie Perez, he was looking for somebody to do it in New Orleans, and I was trying to just keep my feet in the, you know, writing books is so, what's the word, you know, it's just so lonely, I guess is a good word sure. for it, you know, you're just, you're just plugging away and you never see the light at the end of the tunnel until it's staring you in the face. And right. uh, I was like, you know, this sounds like a great idea. And so, you know, I try to post you know, when it's a busy season, I try to post four or five times a week, and, um, you know, that's basically it. So anybody out there that's listening to this, um, I'm, I'm the squeaky wheel. If you put together a good press release, and I even marginally like your stuff, I'll probably write about it. Nice. They get in touch with you through the... Uh, yeah, you can do jay at com. You can do jazzmaz at Hotmail, or you can just um, find me on Facebook. Yeah, and also if you want to check out uh, Jay's books, go to jmaza.com yep. two z's yep and uh, you can order your latest book from amazon yeah they're all available through amazon um yeah matter of fact sales have been amazing this month i put something silly on facebook i rarely write anything personal on facebook because i have you know friends that many friends who i have no idea who they are 
every day there's people I think because they're reading stuff and that's that's all fine and good it's good for promotion and um, so I put on personal in the end of June I said come on people somebody step up five years I've been selling books online and this is the first month with no sales Wow. So no one stepped up. No one stepped up. <laughs> Nobody stepped up. <laughs> but on, July and August, I've had some sales in July and August. So uh, Yeah, so much for driving yeah. publicity or maybe it was Facebook. Right. Oh, exactly. And they're, Well, they're also, speaking of Facebook, we were talking before we got started about it, it's like now they're constantly sending me, you know, and I'll look at the thing and it'll be, um, you're, uh, no one can see this ad but you until you give us money. And they've huh. put together an ad yeah. for my books. And I'm just like... They did it on their own. They did it on their own. All I have to do is click, take, give them money. But I'm not doing that. We tried that a couple times. And they want lots of money. Wow. Yeah. Not just based on You can't sales, give them $20 and think that you're going to get anything out of it. Right, you know, you right. You give them $5,000. Or if you're, you know, CBS, you know, give them 10000 or a million. You'll yeah. probably get something out of it. But you're a, a working writer. That's your day job. Uh, job, yeah, or? essentially, I do. I also do publicity for Family Fish Productions. Okay, that's um, uh, we mostly are at Chikiwawa. All yep. the good shows, I like to say, at Chikiwawa, including tonight. Although I don't know if anyone's going to be listening tonight, but uh, Alejandro Escovedo making a rare, very small club appearance this evening, and then we've got Marsha Ball this weekend, which is wow. really unusual oh, wow, that's for amazing. her to play in a place of that size. Yeah, so. gosh. That's yeah, fantastic. and um, the guy, John Driver, who runs Family Fish, I mean, he's really, um, since, uh, you know, he's made it his full-time career, he, um, he's really helped break a lot of bands, Tank and the Bangas, Sweet Crude, um, a lot of bands that are super popular now, he booked them, he was the first person to book them. I uh, first saw, I moved to New Orleans in 1994, and uh, went to the Second Lines, it's one of the first things I was trying, and I also went to Mom's Ball, we're gonna get into all these things. Okay, great. But when I went into Mo- I went to Mom's Ball about with my buddy Griper about two months after we moved here. You didn't oh, know what Mom's Ball what was? A, what a and how did you even get an invitation? Back I was, then? That was working. One of the tightest. That used to be so tight when the it radiators was, were still playing. It was, it was the winter of '95. So it was '94. That was also when the, when it was still at the DAV Hall. Uh, totally. Oh. At the Veterans Place, right? Oh. oh yeah. And so I'm working at Vicaros as a waiter, and the bartender says. Jesus, I just, that day, the day of Mom's Ball, and I'm working the lunch shift, and he says, I just scored tickets to Mom's Ball. And I'm like, what's that? And, you know, he couldn't describe it to me. And he said something. I heard him on the phone talking about needing to score drugs. And I went up to him and I said, yo, I have happened to be sitting on a bunch of psychedelic mushrooms. Just happened to be sitting on them. Um, and he's like, I'll give you a ticket if you share your stash. There you go. And it was like three hours later, we were on our way. And I, I called someone. And I was like, I guess I need a costume. Yeah. <laughs> and I put on my head a friend. I think I called. You probably know. I'm going to remember his name in a, a minute. Percussionist who's from here, Scott. Messersmith? Yes. Yeah. I called Scott yeah. Messersmith, who was the only guy I knew in town. And I said, dude, I just got a ticket to Mom's. I need something. And I go by his house, and he gives me this styrofoam Fish head, which I don't, I, didn't, I don't know the relation to that. Right? Did know. you even know the radiators were the house band for thirty-three no. plus years of the mom's no. ball? At that point, I did not. Wow! And so the fish head goes all the way out, like three feet out in front of my face, <laughs> and has the narrowest 
like viewing opportunity, right? It's like you're looking through, I don't know. <laughs> fish eyes. Fish eyes. <laughs> so you can't see shit, which was great for me because I got high on the mushrooms and I was glad that I couldn't see the madness. Because a little bit of the madness that I saw right, was disturbing. That was disturbing, as right. Fuck. Like middle aged, hairy white people fucking, like with beer everywhere on the. I mean, it was nuts. It was awesome. And I got up, I didn't get up. Well, up do you front remember what the theme was? I By don't. any strange. I'm going to have to look it up because I could have been the captain that year. Yeah. I was either the captain in 93 or 94. Okay. Yeah, for those uh, Mardi Gras aficionados in the in the um, listening audience, captain of moms is different than captain of a Mardi Gras crew. Most Mardi Gras crews, the captain runs it all year long, year in and year out, and there's a grand marshal that's um, in charge just for one year. Moms being moms is the opposite. What well, what's moms stand for for the for the listeners? People the mystic this, crew but... of orphans and misfits. Right. So it felt good for me to be there. I felt that I felt like a misfit for sure. And uh, I had the t- I, you know what I did was I went up to the front of the stage, and I just as my mushroom high was peaking, I just focused on the music, and, and boy, I boy, became yeah. a Radiators fan yep. right then and there, you know. Um, and I was by myself, by the way, because like the I didn't know the bartender who gave me the ticket. Oh right, right. You know? So but you now it was good for two. The invitation it was good for two so, so maybe i was bring a somebody second. maybe i was a oh second. there you go yeah yeah and then or he, maybe he had to i don't know what it was well it's but. always advice never bring a date to moms if you unless you know you're going home with with the person <laughs> that you're going with don't bring a date don't. it's like bringing sand to the beach man <laughs> you know yeah. it's like bringing fish to a fish fry so, i mean no. you know yeah do not do it now, i did it one time and and it backfired so brutally and I actually had two invitations, so I made sure the girl that I was trying to bring had, her, had a chance to bring her own date. So it was wow. like four of us. And it backfired like you would not believe. How so? Oh, my God. Well, besides the fact that her costume sucked, and mine was very, very intense, and the guy that I was with, who was my date for many years, is Dr. Ike, the guy who runs the Ponderosa oh, Stomp. Sure. Yeah. And so he was, he was my um, number two, as it were. And the girl that I was hot for, she brought her cousin, who was like 18, had a oh, great geez. costume, and we're at the captain's party, and her cousin starts freaking out about, like you said, all the greasy middle-aged men, and her cousin's like, I'm leaving, and I'm taking the car, because we had two separate cars, right? I planned the whole thing. <laughs> right. I even got an extra invitation, which is not an easy thing to do. And man, oh man. And you were a captain then? No, this was, I think this was the year after I was captain, because I know I was very um, high on the organization. I, was, I had just been a fish head. I joined just because it was the best radiator show of the year. Right. And, you know, subsequently, I guess they thought I could keep my shit together on some level. <laughs> and they made me captain. You know, that was back then. So, yeah. Well, how many times do you actually reach the golden heights, you know, at, when you go to a party like that, and it's like, hey, it's going to be general debauchery tonight. Yes, um, yes. I'll find somebody. We're going to leave. Oh, it's there's so culminate. many stories. There's so many stories. There's so many fiz- fizzle outs. Oh, there's you know probably as I mean? many fizzle outs as there are, but there are lots of stories of people that met there. I'm we, sure of that. In more recent years, sure. people are, have called up and been like, hey, man, um, 
we met at the mom's ball like 10 years ago. We're getting married. We want to get married at the mom's ball. And we're like, well, you can get married at the mom's ball, but don't think you're going to get up on stage and like do some sort of a ceremony. Yeah, right. You know, right. Bring, bring your fake priest. Bring your, you know. Just bring, go over to the side. Bring, yeah, yeah, do whatever you want to do. do get all your sets. friends, you know, come as transsexuals, transvestites, do whatever you need to do, but you still got to wear a costume. Dude, I appreciate that you're holding down on the fort, uh, the fort on that and not giving any ground. You know, oh, people oh. are like, hey, listen, you know, can you make a special oh, accommodation for oh, us? Oh, look, look, there's it's so, like, no. many, so many crazy time, things have happened. One time when we had moved over to Mardi Gras World on the West Bank, this woman shows up. She's, um, oh, shit, what is it? Not, not Joan of Arc. Who's the, the famous um, French, you know, she's like the image of France. She's topless. You know, oh. it's where are our French right, listeners, right. No, no. you she, know? She rides she's, the horse. She's, yeah, she symbolizes. She right, right. Yeah, and this woman yeah. comes up, and she's gorgeous with long, flowing blonde hair that I don't even think was a wig. She's topless, and she's on a horse that she's put a unicorn horn on. Oh, my God, it's perfect. And we're like, no, sorry, you look great. And you went through a lot of trouble, but you can't come in with a horse. <laughs> <laughs> we're so sorry, man. You know? <laughs> I love it. You can have a horse on the second line. Oh, yeah. Line. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. Exactly. We'll go to the second line in a minute. But how uh, has Mom's Ball... What, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement in Mom's Ball in terms of the evolution? Well, I mean, back when I went, the first time I went, I was still a Tulane student, and um, the Radiators... My first year that I had an opportunity to go, uh, I was hanging out with this girl. I was 19, and Dave Malone, after the show, one of the shows back that, you know, four in the morning shows, he, this Dave Malone's the singer for people who don't know in the Radiators. And uh, he's like, you guys should come to this party tomorrow night. He's like, You're, it's going to blow your mind. It's like the best party that there is in the world. And of course, he's saying you guys, but, you know, he's not talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, we didn't go to the party. And next time I see Dave Malone, he's like, man, you know, which was probably their next show, because back then I was going to see them pretty much every time they played. And uh, he says, he says, man, you missed it. What happened? I said, oh, you know, whatever, you know, we're in college, blah, blah, blah. But I vowed not to miss it the next year. And so I made it the next year. And that was the last year that you could get into the mom's ball in 1982. Last year you could get in without credentials. Like, all you really needed to have a was a good costume. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. I see. Right. Yeah. Because it, and they then was, they it was still, down after Well, that, it was still right? underground. It was the, it became, <laughs> and the radiators were unknown. They'd only existed for two or three years. No, 78. So they'd only existed for three or four years. And um, what happened was somebody announced the location and said the radiators are playing on WTUL, Tulane's radio station. And it got crashed. And it, in a, in and a bad it, way? It, Oh, in a terribly bad way. Because, really? Yeah, because it was kids and they were drunk and, you know, not enough of them. Like you said, it's a, it's a hallucinatory event. It's not so much of a drunken event. No, it was terrible. And the room was, the room was small. And so that, the next year they, they decided, okay, we got to crack down, and they, they made buttons. Well, of course, we all figured out, you know, two people go in, you know, one st get button the button, comes button comes out, button. you know, and so that, that went on for a few years until finally they, they started with the wristbands. And I, as far as I know, the Moswell was one of the first times I ever wore a wristband. You know, all the clubs in town were, were still stamps and, you know, all that kind of thing. So, yeah, so that's when I first went. And then, uh, you know, I haven't missed. And 
I don't know. It's just too, you know. I, people keep saying, you should just write a book about it. I'm like, damn, I should have wrote it all down. Yeah, it's a lot you to know? forget, isn't there? Oh, my God. The stories are just <laughs> insane. You know, the people who have met. Like one time, this is one of my favorite stories. People who are smart and know either that their husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend is going to want to leave early or something, they take two cars. So, uh, you know, they get there at the same time. They just take two cars so they can get out of there if they need to. It's kind of like and, whitewater rafting. You figure out the yeah, car on the side. Yeah, and then, and so, um, so this, this um, the, the, the guy in the couple, he comes back inside. He's like, you're not going to believe this, man. I go, I go out to go to the car, and there's two, and this was a gravel parking lot. There are two people going at it on the parking lot. Like between their two cars. On the gravel. Right, right, on the gravel. And he goes, and you know what, that, and you know what that means? Because this is back when we were down in, in Araby. You know, like there's nobody's getting there on any other way other than a cab, a limo, or their own private vehicle. Sure. Or so they you have know buses. What? Like we used to take the Snake and Jake's bus. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but that, yeah. this was before then. This was before then. This was, I yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. And, well, I don't know when, that, when they started doing that. But anyway, so he comes in and he's just got this shit-eating grin on his face. And he's like, well, you know what that means, don't you, Jay? Don't you know what that means? And I'm like, no, no, dude, I don't know. What does that mean? He's like, it means that they both came with somebody else. Because otherwise they'd be in one of their vehicles instead of on the ground. Exactly. In the, on the gravel. That is an apt observation, man. <laughs> He's an older fellow, one of, one of the geniuses of our world. So then moving forward, at some point... Well, you know, train- the Rads got popular because they had, they had a couple hits. And they got signed to a major label and they had three, three albums came out on Epic Records. And a lot of people knew about the Rads. And so what ended up happening was you, you had a lot of pressure. That's probably when they really started with the wristbands. You had a lot of pressure. People would find out about it. They would always put on their schedule, home to mother, on that day. But it's the Saturday before Carnival. So there became a lot of pressure from people that just you know, saw them on MTV. I mean, shit, they had two videos, you know, so back in the day. Wow. Well, I had no idea. Oh, the videos are. I didn't, I didn't the, know that either. Oh, the videos are hysterical, man. Are they? Oh my god! Do you god. know who shot them by any? Was it a local production company? No, was it, no it was completely they, L.A. Oh, okay. It was completely L.A. because the 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 funniest story is that it was a video of law of um like dreamers do, which is probably to this day oh, their sure. most famous song. Yeah. And that was the first album, and I guess that album did all right, and then the second album, um, they did uh, a video of Suck the Heads. And I was so bummed because I had one of my rare day jobs and I couldn't get out of it. And I missed the video shoot. And I was so bummed because they did it at some seafood joint out on Hain Boulevard. And they had the band like sort of dancing around like Castnet. tables. It might have been Castnet on Hain. It, it was, it, I don't remember the name of it, but it was... <laughs> I love Hain Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. Way, so, it's like one of my favorite In anyway, um, you know, they had these two <laughs> L.A. chicks that were all made up that were the exact opposite of the Grateful Dead, hippie-type girl that would go see the radiators. And, you know, they put a, they put a um, recipe for how to boil crawfish scrolling up the screen. <laughs> I mean, it's literally one of it's the worst fantastic. things ever. And I think, it only, time. I think it only aired once, but you can find it on YouTube. I'm wow. looking for it right now. Think, oh my folks, God. we're going to post it on, on uh, itsgoodlifebabe.com. I think, it, I think it, um, it aired once because I remember, hey, man, we should stay up. They're going to air that. And they did um, Trash or Smash. 
and it got, you know, nobody knew what the hell crawfish were. I mean, no one had any idea. No one knew what to do with that beat nationally. It was a very poor choice on Epic's part. And so they were with Epic for how long? They three were albums. Three records, yeah, really. Yeah, and they wow. also had, when, they, when, when Epic was desperate, I'm pretty sure it was the third one, I'd have to check, but uh, they had Jim Dickinson and the Memphis Horns. Wow. Jim Dickinson produced it. Uh-huh. Luther Dickinson's dad for the young people in the, in the, in the uh, listening audience. Right, and, uh, right. And the Memphis Horns, you know, sure. two of the most famous um, horn players in, in the soul R&B world were on like maybe four cuts. Wow. Yeah. Joel, are you watching that right now? I'm pulling it up. (laughs) (laughs) Your computer's moving kind of slow these days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What's going on with that? I don't know. Porn, the recipes. Apple's coming out with a new one. They slow them down on purpose. Exactly. This one's like six years old or something. It's like first generation. MacBook Air. Yeah, Yeah, MacBook Air. So uh, so the band's getting pretty hot. Band's getting pretty hot. Yeah. And uh, when do you step in as the Grand Poobah? I became so the Grand Poobah in 98, which was, um, I guess, four or five years after I had been captain. I had a lot of privileges as captain, but one of the things about being captain is it's just one night, and you really don't know how much control and power you have, because the idea of the captain is to let the people that have been planning it and organizing it, the Grand Marshal and the Field Marshal, to let them have fun and not, not have to be responsible uh, for stuff. And um, my first year as Grand Marshal was the last year down at the DAV Hall, and I think they were trying to get rid of us because I was adopting that rule. In fact, when I took the gig, I said, well, I'll do it as long as I don't have to miss any of the rads. And, uh, oh, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And the fire marshal shows up and decides he's going to, in (laughs) St. Bernard Parish, and decides he's going to shut down the mom's ball. And, of course, you know, you got 1,500 freaks half-dressed, you know, down there, and... uh, I didn't know what the hell was going on. All I knew is I'm up front jamming out to the band. I had this huge hat on, like I was like in this weird pimp outfit with like pancake makeup on and eyeliner and this giant hat. I mean, it was a crazy costume. And uh, I'll never forget, man, through the crowd, I see the captain. He's a big guy. He's a guy that I was taught. My, my first captain, the same guy I was talking about that was telling, that, that told me the story about the guy, the guy and the girl going at it on the gravel. I see him coming through the crowd, and like I know something's going on, and I'm like, oh my god, like I'm gonna have to do something. It's like midnight. I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. And my eyes are just, Bing! and he grabs me, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not gonna use his name for fear that he's t- that he's in the witness protection program, but I'm like, Captain, I can see from your face something's going on. You don't have to grab me, and I ended up with a mark the next day from him grabbing me. Haul, he's a big guy, hauling me out of the very front of the crowd. I go into the back, into the office, which is this tiny little office. I mean, ten by ten, maybe. And the uh, the fire marshal is in there. The guy who runs the DAV hall is in there. I come in. I think they just want to get a look at me because I don't really say a word. My guy, the captain, he leans back because it's such. A, he's a big dude, and it, it's so tight in there. He leans back and breaks their like copy machine, <laughs> and I'm just like, Bing! I hear this in my. I'm like, you oh got, like, my the bright god, this is just, oh yeah, oh bright, oh yeah, yeah. And I coming in from this crazy. Oh my god, it's just like so weird. And I don't remember saying anything. The captain like dealt with it, and I, and I subsequently decided that they just wanted to get a look at me. 
you know, they had to deal with me. They wanted to, they hadn't seen me. They wanted to see what I was wearing or whatever. And of course I got <laughs> thick pancake makeup on and eyeliner. I mean, it was, it was weird. But the best part about the story is, so, so, okay, we're done. What's going on here? Oh no, that's it. Whatever. And I'm like, okay, I go, I'm going back. So I go right back up front. You know, I own this freaking place, man. Boom, bust, bust through, go right back up front. Maybe missed a half a song. Dave Malone comes on the mic and he goes, Jay, Jay Mazza, you're wanted by the fire marshal. It seems like some of these people are on fire. <laughs> Which you can actually hear on the tape of the show if you go to archive.org and get the 1998 Moms Ball from the DAV Hall. You can actually hear that. And by then it, all, it had all been resolved. And then the best part about it, besides my personal experience, was they did stop people from coming in for like about 20 minutes. Uh. There are people to this day that will tell you, I was stuck outside for three hours, man. Three hours. <laughs> I missed the whole mom's ball. <laughs> you know how time is. Sure. <laughs> Memory doesn't work well over time. No, especially when you're on, you know, some substances, maybe. And you're right, and, and you're, you're wanting so bad to be inside. And you want to be inside. It feels right, like man. six hours. When yeah, you're exactly. Balls. And then it poured down rain the next day, and you know, Doctor Ike was having the before he had the Ponderosa Stomp, he used to have the the same type of parties at his um, house, and we used to call it the Masochism Ball because <laughs> he would start it at eleven so in the sorry. morning. Yeah, he would start it at 11 in the morning, and it would usually be like something great. Like that year, he reunited Kermit and Rebirth. First time that they wow. had played together. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, so this yeah. would happen in his backyard in or his something backyard. like that? Yeah, oh, yeah. What the Before the Ponderosa Stomp and before he was married. and What, was the, what were the parties called? Uh, he used to make write these crazy invitations. I'm not even sure whether they masochism had ball. The no, masochism? we used to call it the masochism party. The Is masochism that what ball. morphed into the Mystic Knights of the Mau Mau? Uh, pretty much. Pretty morphed much, right? Into the, yeah. Morphed into, because once he realized he couldn't do it at his house, I mean, he had R.L. In his, in his backyard, and R.L. would get there at, like, noon. R.L. Burnside, for people in the listening audience. And uh, R.L. would come with a half, a half a gallon of Jack. And he's not playing until 6 or 7 o'clock at he's night. Got, he's got a handle. And Yeah, wow. got a handle, right. And, and the deal was that if you wanted to talk to R.L., you had to do a shot with him. And so, okay. okay. I mean, that was RL's deal, deal. basically. I think RL I would just no like sit there, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, so he would always have. deal like, I can live with. Dr. Ike would always have like something really, really amazing, first thing. You know, so I live at the time, I lived right around the corner from Dr. Ike. And so I just walked over. I had the Toth Parade before, you know, waking me up no matter what anyway. But we got home at six, might have slept like two or three hours, you know. Those were the days. And geez, hasn't that taken off? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it got too big. People, people got, you know, and, and he, was, he, he, he was always trying to, at least this is what my impression was, he was really trying to keep it intimate. But friends of friends, and it's Mardi Gras. Of course, where he lived at the time, which was right next to uh, Miss Mays, or excuse me, across Joseph Street from Miss Mays. And uh, really? hard to get to. Huh. Okay. Yeah, he lived right on Octavia, is it Octavia? Right by the bus barn. And that year when Rebirth and Kermit got back together, we second lined. And, we, and it was before Whole Foods was there. And we second lined at like noon on the day of Toth, right after Toth had passed. What the we, fuck? We second lined from real? his house to my house, because I lived on State right around the corner on Magazine. Ran, I ran in my house and I had all the leftover beer from the mom's ball. And I'm like, hey, I'm just giving beer to everybody. And then we left there and we, and we second lined through the, um, you know, the dilapidated, yet to be renovated 
bus barn. The old bus barn, yeah. Wow. Now, which, you know, it was now Whole Foods. So every time I go in that Whole Foods, I'm just like, <laughs> 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 yes, I remember it when. That's fantastic. So then moving forward, you subsequently... So then I did it. I did it. I was in charge of it for 13, 13 balls, 14 Halloween parties. And um, wow, that's a I long run. Ah, uh, yeah, the longest. The, the longest. longest. Since, yeah. since 1974, I did it longer than anyone else. And uh, part of the reason was I was afraid that whoever I handed it over to, because it is a very um, dicta dict dictatorial organization, like that Grand Marshal is completely, totally in charge. You know, we, every year. So we, your word rules during those thirteen yeah. years. Make anything, you know, do make any decision. Do you know? It's very political. I mean, you, you know, if you do something that everyone's going to hate, then you know you're going to hear you're about gonna, you're going to hear about it. So yeah, and so I basically did it until I kind of wanted to quit once when things got ugly. Um, there was anyway. That's a, put that in the next book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell us think, about that? No, I don't even remember because things got ugly like three times. You know, so so no, there, that I don't even remember all of that particular ugliness. All I know is that there, there was an attempt to get me out of there. It was oh, an they were trying to coup. Oust, coup. oust Yeah, you. there was an attempted coup. There had been already been an attempted coup on the guy who did it before me, so this wasn't an unusual occurrence. And um, you put it down. No, the the, the the good people on my side did. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I didn't right. have to do anything. In fact, when I took over, there was also like this, there was a meeting before the meeting because I'm not from here. And prior to that, it had all been UNO people, the Lakefront Losers is what oh. they called themselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Gentilly yeah, it was crew. all Gentilly, right, oh, right. Dude. It, was, it was, you know. Yeah, you don't want to fuck with those other, guys, Well, man. that's a whole you know? other layer of, of the... Of the um, like Crew of Drew. Crew of Drew. Crew yeah. of Drew and Moms are essentially sister organizations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one time we went to the crew of Drew. The king that year wanted to go to the crew of Drew ball. But, of course, there is no real crew of Drew ball. They do their shit during the day. And so we get there in these tour buses and stretch limousines and fresh costumes. We've got the whole court. We're looking great. And the place, there's just this strange liquid yeah. coming out of the yes. building. And we're like, is that piss? What exactly is that? And my date at the time who's now my you know, long-term partner, she was like, I gotta go to the bathroom, but I'm not going in this bar. So I said, take the limo, man. So she gets in the limo by herself and goes to McDonald's over, <laughs> over on like Fillmore or wherever the McDonald's is. Thank you. Can I tell you a story? I like, wish you would. We I'm fucking sick of we, my own voice. <laughs> we we got the great stories, great stories, thank you. And we got hired by Egg Yolk Jubilee got hired by sponsoring, by the way, it's a goodlifebabe.com. We got hired by Crew of Drew to do their ball, you know, quote unquote, air quotes ball. Um, and we got there, and I had no idea really what to expect. Like, some people had given me a primer and said, like, hey, and this is when the guy, I can't even remember his name, but he had like, he had half a leg. You know, oh yeah, no, I know exactly who you're talking yeah, about. Right, yeah, right. yeah, I can't think. He used of to work name. at the Abbey downtown. Right, right, right. A big dude, big guy. Diabetes right. lost his leg. Yeah, and he lost his leg. Yeah. Right, exactly. And uh, big so, Dave. Big Dave. Yep. All right, so Big Dave is there, and they they were like, "Hey, yo, Jubilee is going to do it." This is maybe like the third year we're in existence or something like that. They they invite us over, and there's a flatbed trailer, and they're like, "That's your stage," right? <laughs> Except it's got two wheels on one side, okay? And it's got a, f all it has is the one little pole 
right? Like a triangle, <laughs> like this, right? And so seven people get on top of this thing. It's so fucking wobbly, you can't even imagine, right? <laughs> we got a guy with a double bass that's, you know, I mean, how, how much is that worth? I don't even know, from like 1855, <laughs> right? The whole band is on there, and we're playing, and it's just rocking, and everyone is completely Weibo stoned, and they're like, we're getting on the thing with you, and we're going to sit on it, and it's just waving around like it was fucking nuts, man. It's like you're in a canoe. So what they were it sitting. Was, it was it was crazy. You couldn't you couldn't really stand. And it, I mean, it really was. And they were gonna sit on it to help stabilize it. <laughs> no, they were oh. just. It was just like a fucking. And then they ro- they rolled with it too. No, it was. It, we were there, but it was just a rambunctious. No one gave a shit if the band if it just the whole thing tips over <laughs> and and the whole band just goes flying that would be part of the this, entertainment they're like hey you know it's <laughs> right. fine you know whatever but we're all up there and it's like this is really sort of dangerous <laughs> right now you know like we could go splat right or right? you could get shocked or, or we could get what? shocked or whatever right it was exactly metal too? and somebody had it was like metal with the uh, it had like boards on it oh, you know what i mean nice. planks yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and god damn it that was friggin that was still to this day probably the craziest stage situation that i've ever been in and they uh, they had a gigantic Cheech and Chong joint that somebody had rolled. I remember. It was your, literally... Your hands are three feet apart. Right? I know. Yeah, it was yeah. like three I, feet I, long. I think that's what they do every that's year. That's what they do every yeah, year, right? Exactly. They roll exactly. a joint out of a half a pound of swag. It's, it, was, it was so fucking big. And I had never really... I had never experienced anything like that before. That was a, that was a singular, uh, uh, raunchy affair. Well, Drew and is a little sort of dangerous. coming back, too. Drew has got a new generation of leadership, and they just, they just renovated the Bacchus Lounge. Look, you know, I, so. I'm going to tell you something right now that we, we got a new guy, uh, Trombone Mac McCann, on, obviously on Trombone, but he, uh, he's gunning. He's gunning to be the king. Oh, of Drew? Yeah. Oh, yeah, what do he, you have to do to become king of Drew? Uh, you you got to ask him. Got a gun for it. You got a gun. You got to go for it. That's it. Because with moms, that he was wanted one of it bad. If you want year. it, you're never going to get it. And the minute you give up wanting it, you'll probably get it. They'll come tap you. King and queen, both, yeah. Yeah. The minute, you, the minute you give up wanting it, you'll probably end up being it. But he's like 25, 26 or something oh, like that, my. you know, so like, but I think this young new breed, you oh, know, might yeah, have yeah. a shot even at they that even age. Have like an e- I mean? They even have an E-list, which somehow I got on. Really? And so I get all these, you know, once a month or so, you know, once Carnival comes, it'll be once every, you know, several days, I'm getting them, this is too weird, I'm getting an email from... Dude, Joel, Drew. we gotta, we gotta go, if we can go at, if they're still having their ball going on. Well, I don't know, I, at see, some I, point, see, I, I don't we know should just the, go duck the ball in. ball the man. night before, or what, because, I mean, usually, anybody who's still vertical at the parade... <laughs> goes to mom's right you know because That's it's the right. same day the parade during the day and a lot of people i know used to do both and then you know eventually you get to the point where your legs can't you know you can't be up for you know 20 plus hours and uh, i never tried to do drew never 
is too too intense. It's a tough cross to bear. Yeah, moms is a moms is a moms is a commitment. You get people coming in from out of town. You'd be like, look, man, you want to come to the moms ball? You got to be at my house at six. You got to be rested. You got to be rested because, and if you're freaking late, if you were drinking all day, fuck off. Oh, you can drink all day, but if you've been drinking whiskey all day, right, you know, fuck. you got to pace. You know, it's yeah. a marathon, not a sprint. That's right. That's, yeah, where, yeah, that, yeah. that's where that first totally. came up from. Yeah. <clears throat> so and then Edgar Jubilee. Fast forward all these years, played yeah. Mom's Ball. That's right. Just last year. Just I have a photo, month. by the way, from that Drew event that I can show oh, you guys. Oh, come on. Yeah. And there's also on yeah. Facebook, there's a bunch of old 70s photos of Drew that somebody scanned oh, and put in. Really? And it, oh, my fucking, God. That's it's awesome. Like, have you ever seen the photo? It's like World War II photo, right after World War II, and it's this photo, famous New Orleans photo. I don't know who shot it, but it's of, it's a, it's of a parade in Gentilly on, on VE Day, I guess, or you know, whatever it was when World War II was over. And you look at that picture, and then you look at some of these pictures of the hippies 25 years later, and you're like, wow, I wonder if some of them little kids that are in this photo from 1945 are these, these people. You better you know, believe it. You better believe it. Because Gentilly is a pretty tight-knit little exactly. community. Yeah. No, you know? it is. And everybody sure. out there knows crew and true, you know? Yeah, wow. yeah, I know. I know. And then, yeah, so... Uh, just this year, we we got tapped uh, to come out in the Ego Jubilee has an electric rock and roll configuration. Right, and you got a parading rock and roll, unit, and we right. got a parading unit. Right, exactly. And so the parading unit got tapped. That came out of uh, uh, crew 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 de vu uh, because uh, the guy that has been booking bands from crew de vu is also kind of high up, I guess. Oh and, uh, yeah. 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 Well, the guy, the, the new guy, and it's very anonymous. I would never have been telling you any of these stories. Right. If I'm, I not, wasn't I'm already, not saying any. Yeah. Names. If I hadn't right. been, if I hadn't been retired, haven't been retired for five years, I never would have told you any of these stories. To tell you the truth, at least I would not have outed myself as my as the positions that I had, because that was that's the biggest challenge of of running that organization is people finding out who uh, you are. Oh, oh because, because then, then they're you, up your ass. Then they're up your ass and the right. musicians and you know, there's advantages to it. I mean, you know, you got chicks like you know, like people really want to go to that party. <laughs> but, you know, it's not really worth it the trade-off. That's a good uh segue to a question. We have <clears throat> folks, we have you can tweet us at at a goodlifebabe.com or not.com, goodlifebabe and send us in questions for our guess but we do have some friends of the pod who have some questions for jumping jay mazo all right let's go one of us is from uh jen odell okay music writer in new orleans right she love her to, work she, she she wants to know what's the craziest thing anyone has ever offered or done to get a mom's ball ticket Ooh. I mean, I'm just drawing a blank, actually, because it's not that there's been so many. There's been many, and I just can't, I can't think of, I can't even think of one. But people have done a lot of crazy shit. One, I do remember, this wasn't to get a, an invitation, but this was, um, this was pretty hilarious. There's another um, organization loosely connected to moms called the Crew of Snafu that you probably remember because yeah. it's closer to your era. So the year I got um, the year I got put in charge of moms, the guy who runs the Crew of Snafu, he was already guaranteed an invitation to, to the moms ball, but he um, and this is uh, 
pre 9-11, clearly, pre all the police state shit that we have going on in this country now, um, he, the theme that year, uh, Ed Volker, the leader of the Radiators, called me up and he said, is it true you're the new dominatrix? <laughs> and I, I go, yeah, it's true, but don't tell anybody. He goes, I've always had a theme. And I'm like, well, I don't know why you waited till I'm the one in charge. You've been doing this already for 20 some odd years. He got, he, I said, what's the theme? He goes, turn the other cheek. And I'm like, well, that's great. Because our themes theoretically should have a sexual double entendre, a play on words, and somehow reference the carnival season. Exactly. If you get all three, you've got a great theme. And he goes, turn the other cheek. And I'm like, done. Perfect. That's the theme. So the guy who runs Crew of Snafu, he finds out about this. He goes, I think he was living in Colorado, maybe Florida, and he goes to his post office, or he goes to the novelty store, and he buys a fake butt, a rubber butt. Right. That you would wear, like, outside of your clothes or, you know. Yeah. You yeah. know, you, every, I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, fake, fake rubber butt. butt. Fake he butt. addresses it, Grand Poobah, with my address, slaps a whole bunch of stamps on it, and, like, three days later, it's carnival now. My brother's in town. My brother's, like... You're, he comes walking into my apartment. He goes, dude, you're never going to believe what I found in your mailbox. <laughs> no box, no nothing. Mailed a fake rubber butt through the U.S. Postal Service. That's fantastic. <laughs> no note on it? No, man. Oh, he might have had on the inside. He might have written, like, he might have just yours. signed it or something, you know. Two he must have been something so I knew. There must have been something so I knew who sent sure. it. But that was pretty classic. God, what has people done? Oh, man. People have done a lot of crazy shit. I, I honestly, I think of that one and, well, ask me another one and maybe it'll come, maybe something well, okay, will come one more question me. about Mom's Ball. Then I thought okay. we might take a quick break, come back for a part two, and maybe get into some street culture stuff. Sounds in good. Um, but we got a question from Meatball. Okay. You know Meatball. Yeah, of course. Um, He's a long-time Mom's Ball guy. Well, he, he, the beauty of Meatball is that for many years, he was this guy, Magoo's New Orleans contact. And Magoo right. is the funniest human being on the planet. Right. My second jester, when I got to pick jesters, he was my second jester. And that's sort of how I became friends with, with Meatball, is because he was always handling Magoo's stuff prior to and Magoo Carnival. comes in town just for Carnival, he, right? He, I, think he's, I don't think he's come once since the Rads retired. Gotcha. But that was his Which bag. Is, oh, he came here. every he year. Came oh, yeah, in. and he'd take, us out to, oh, he'd take us out to meals. Oh, my God. Take us to Emeralds. Like, he was rolling in yeah. some kind of money because he'd take, like, six or eight people and order whatever you want. You sure. Know. How much should I spend on the wine, Magoo? He goes, ah, just pick a good bottle. You know? I remember like, Magoo hanging like, on All right, like, what are we talking about a good bottle? I'm like, we're in Clancy's. Like, the, the cheapest good bottle is, like, 50 or 60, bucks. you know? Yeah, right. So we ordered a $100 bottle. Right. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I remember Magoo hanging out on Oak yeah. Street around Dan Wine. Oh, place. yeah. Well, Magoo also was, was the classic, always still in his costume for Toph. Never slept. Never slept, <laughs> never after, slept. Right. after the mom's ball. You he know, was an older dude. And when you're in your 20s, right, no big deal to do that. But by the time you're in your mid-30s, 40s, when he was got to be, I think he's older than me. So, you know, we're looking at 50s for sure. Exactly. <clears throat> um, so my so Meatball wants to know, he said you can't talk about any of this, but he doesn't realize that you can now that you're retired. Well, yeah, so, but, I'm still being quite um, judicious in thinking before I say things. That's good. Um, he wants to know, what, how do you feel about the evolution since you took over? And then like the second part of that question is to go from sort of being underground 
to being mentioned in the Mardi Gras guide. What's it called? Yeah, Arthur, Arthur Hardy's Marty's. Mardi Gras guide. I actually sat for the interview when I was still in charge, which I wouldn't have told you that. <laughs> but I actually got interviewed by... Um, can't think of his name. He's like one of the... The cl- Mardi Gras guy? No, not Arthur That's Hardy, not, though. Not Arthur. He's one of the classic New Orleans voice guys. Dud, dud. I don't I think he's still living, but I haven't seen him. Mm. You know, he was on all sorts of programs and stuff. Wrote for Gambit. Big handlebar mustache. I can't think of his name right now. But I actually went and met him at the Park, Park View, Parkway, Park View Tavern and sat for the interview. Shouldn't have done that, probably. Is that right? They had already gotten out to, at that point, you know. I think at that point we were more... So wait, what was the question? Just how you feel about that evolution from being so underground to suddenly being on people's radar. and then Well, you know, I was, always, I was always going with the flow. I was always... The only thing that I really felt like I did as, as like directing or trying to control the direction is that I was very... I knew, even though I was pretty young, I was like... 34, I think 33 or 34 when I took over. And I knew then that we were, we had to do something or this thing was going to age out. And so over that 13 years that I was in charge, I was responsible to a large degree for getting younger people to, to, shum, to, right. sh- to come. And now, the amazing thing now is, is that since the radiator's out of the picture, because the weird thing is, I think there's, there were literally hundreds, possibly thousands of people who over the years said, oh, I'm not going to the mom's ball. I don't like the radiators. And we'd always say, you've nev- A, you've never really listened to the radiators because they're, they're like the Grateful Dead in that their fans are so hardcore that you already rejected them. You know, like you heard about how great they are so many times that you've never actually stood there or danced or listened to their music. So... Anyway, I forget where I was going with that, but the point being is that there were a lot of these people, you know, and and I just felt felt bad for them. But then again, we'd say, well, great, one one less space, you know, one sure. less person fighting to get up front, and that I think that was one of the main transitions that was occurring in that period in the '90s. Because when I first went, and even the when your story, you were able to go right up front in a very crowded place. Yes, because for the most part, people didn't really care about the radiators. You know, there was a small little group of fish heads, but everybody knew that music was the beat. That's the carnival beat. They would play all the old great carnival songs, and that's the rhythm of, the rhythm of uh, you know, I mean, God, when Willie Green, like five years in a row, Willie Green from the Neville Brothers came and sat in with the Radiators. God, oh, my damn. God. Ah, yeah. that shit is just, that's some of the it's most. Magic. And, and Right, that's some of, and that's, and interestingly enough, now, you know, the New Orleans suspects, Willie Green and Reggie Scanlon, you know, although yeah, Reggie, right. Reggie's now yeah. retiring from the road. But anyway, I, I feel like I made a concerted effort and I was successful at getting young people there. And now you go to the mom's ball and, you know, you just can't believe how many, you know, 20, 25, you know, year, year old people there are. I had my nephew, my 21-year-old nephew, and he's like, Uncle Jay, I'm not sure I'm going to want to... Sorry, Jack, if you're listening. He didn't say it like that, but the sense was the sense was that he that he wasn't gonna that he might not, you know, go with my uncle to this party. Man, those guys, their mind was blown. Yeah. You know, right. their mind was so blown. And they couldn't believe how many young people I told them, I said, Man, look, you just go and find your people. 
Yeah. And everybody's going to be friendly and nice. Sure. And there's rarely a fight. There's rarely a disturbance at the mom's ball. So. No, there's not. Good job on you with that transition. I mean, when I went, when I was 25, 24, and 1994, I looked around and didn't see anyone that looked like me in terms of age, you know, demo. Right, because it really it was it rats was, fans from, like from their high school right, or whatever. Right, like their yeah, age was yeah, the, the yeah. fan. The original the fans fish looked heads. like the rats. Exactly. Who were probably at the time 15, 20 years older than me. Right. Um, and that was great. It was just kind of, I couldn't believe that like people in their 30s were getting down so hard, like literally like having sex. Oh, yeah. And oh, just in God. the open. Well, one other quick story, because I almost forgot this one. This is this, what will people do? The kind of half answering Jen, Jennifer's question, Jen's question. So um, one year I brought this friend of mine, and oh, it was the year I was captain. And I told him, I said, dude, don't bring a date. Like, don't bring a date. Like, it's just a bad idea. And you're going to be like with me. You're going to have carte blanche. You're going to know everything. So we go to um, Rocky and Carlos. Yeah, for the Sweet. for the captain's dinner beforehand, wow. like at five o'clock, you know, God we're all like damn. pounding beers and just, man, it's just great, you know. And he's got this girl. No one else has a date. He's got this girl. She's dressed like this bunny rabbit. No, she's dressed like a like a little kitty, and she's wearing this like black leotard. And she's got this little she's got this little thing on her butt, little like fuzzy thing on her butt. And she's got these, you know, she's not almost like a Playboy bunny almost kind of look. And I was like, dude, you're. You're just doomed, man. You're toast. You're just so doomed. So I said, when we get there, I said, dude, just do me one favor. Do not at any point over the next five hours come up to me and ask me if I've seen her. Because <laughs> even if I have, I'm going to have to lie to you. Preemptive strike. And sure enough, I'm out, at the, I'm out at the cars where we all are all parked together. And one of the other guys, one of the other captains, his, his, his windows are all freaking steamed up. And I'm like, fuck is going on here i go back inside i see my friend of course he goes man have you seen her i'm like no dude and even if i had i wouldn't tell you i had sure enough door opens Boom, she, there's, there's yes. the little kitty right cat. <laughs> right so goes moms so see goes i had moms. i had one of the few tinder dates that i had was uh, at the at the mom's ball because we got a plus one mm. what as you the band a, you brought a tinder date to mom's ball how'd that work out yeah it was cool, but it it fizzled. It yeah. fizzled. Yeah. Yeah, she took off. Well, what happened, I was just like, look, I mean, when you're playing, you, you have these duties. You know, oh, you're, we talking have about when you, you're talking about when you were playing. Oh, 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 well, that's a whole different thing. Well, as a band, you get a plus one. You right. Know? So I was just like, she hit me up, and I, I was like, look, I got a thing, whatever. She showed up topless. Very good. And I was like, that's great. Awesome. The rest of the guys in the band are like, who's that? And I'm like, oh, just a Tinder date. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> For tonight, <laughs> how did it fizzle out? What, what time in the morning did it fizzle out? It just—I was done, man. You know, like I did mushrooms and I had been drinking, and I was like, I was like, I had the gear and I had to get the fuck out of well, there. Well, plus he's the, the, she had had her own transportation there. Uh, you know what I mean? And that was the kind of agreement that we had, like kind of like what you're talking about. It was like yeah, a yeah. half date. It wasn't yeah. really a real date. It was like, look. You're doing your thing. I'm doing I'm my thing. I'm getting you in, right? Yeah. I'm getting you in, and you get to come backstage, and we're hanging out a little bit. Yeah, you know. But if I'm doing this, then I'm doing this. You know? Right. And if she's right. doing that, she's doing that. You know. And that was the way that it was, and it worked out that way, and it was perfectly fine. Well, know? the thing is, he we just went our separate ways. The new guy point. is making it go a lot later. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It never went past. I mean, people would hang around, 
you know, until you got basically. It you is. Know, they, I mean, they they go now because yeah, I've left out of the five years since I've um, retired, and you know that was the best thing about retiring was that I wouldn't necessarily have to stay to the bitter end, and uh, you know, I mean, I think it's gone past four thirty every time, and I'm pretty sure the Rads. The last time the Rads played till four was probably in the nineties. You know, yeah. I mean, you mean like Johnny Sketch is playing until four thirty in the morning? Um, I, I think Johnny Sketch has been playing like the early bands. He's been hiring like these like it's been L- us like, the last two years as the Honey very Swamp first band. band, right? No, but I'm talking about yeah. like at, like he's got bands coming on it. No, Honey Island. Wow. No, that was the, his first year, and I think Honey Island came on at like three thirty. God, uh, and played like you know an hour and a half, two hour set. Uh, but the last couple years he's had like. Like almost like electronica band. It's a real playing. event bordering on a festival, in, in some oh, ways, yeah, a little yeah. bit now. And I'm just happy know? I'm free to leave. Like I don't want. Yeah, right. I don't want to leave there at dawn. You know. Sure. Right, sure. Yeah. The best fizzle out stories I've heard, and I've heard two of them, is that Jaime was one of them. Our good buddy Jaime, shout out in Brooklyn. Yeah. He went to Mom's. I want to say two carnivals ago, and hooked up with this chick, and they went to Molly's. Which I think a lot of people end up going downtown. Oh yeah, so Molly's like or the Abbey. snakes, you snakes. know. Yeah, so yeah. it's like six thirty-seven in the morning, and like they're both, you know, they're hanging out. But like she ended up hooking up with some other guy, like right in front of them. <laughs> I think you hear that kind of stuff. Of course, it's just the mind frame. Of course, it's the it's mindset like, that people like, are in. Yeah, this isn't working out. It gets super know? loose. That's yeah, what I'm yeah. Saying. It just goes where so, it goes, and you can't. You right. cannot be. Hung no. up on anybody, and like you said, here we've you been talking be about it for it. practically an hour, and and you, you you really, you know, hey everybody, come on down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's right. It's that's not right. to be described. I mean, this pod is really for people who've been and know what it's like. It really is because it's not a concert, right? You know, and I think that's kind of what freed up the new guy. I keep calling him that, even though it's five years now. That's kind of what's freed him up. Is that with the radiators, and it's going back to Meatball's question a little bit, is that um, uh, with the radiators, it really did become a concert, and particularly the last couple of years when you know they announced that they were retiring. That was the toughest year ever because, A, there was such an inundation of people that wanted to go, and it was such a crush of people paying attention to the band as opposed to paying attention to each other. Sure. You know, and I think that's one of the things that the new guy has really handled quite well is that he hasn't. Re- I think a couple times he's tried to hire h- higher, higher profile bands, and I think each time it's backfired because a higher profile band doesn't like being ignored. Sure. And you know, they ignored the Rads for many years. Sure. You know, they the year I was there, they were ignoring. Of the course, rads for sure. Yeah. Dude, I can, I can just tell you that f- lower profile bands like the attention. Yeah. <laughs> We like that. <laughs> right. The problem is when you get to a higher level and expect it. Like this exactly. past year, this, was it this past year that Leo played or two years ago? They had Leo Nocentelli as a special guest. Ah, uh, yeah. And, right. and he was he begging that it. crowd. He was begging that crowd and he was getting nothing. And so I had to turn to this girl who was like, God, what's going on with this guy? And he's getting nothing from the crowd. Nobody's clapping after the song. Cyril Neville has just killed, killed Africa. Nobody's clapping. And... And uh, I turned to this girl, I think it was like her first time or something. She's like, what's wrong with these people? I said, look, man, we got an old saying with, with the mom's ball, is that like, we may not clap when you stop playing, but we're going to keep dancing. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Right. That's a great one to end on, too, for this segment, I think, Jeff. That's cool with you. And Jay, uh, we're going to come back for a part two. We're going to get into uh, Jay Maz's other life. Other life, yes, sir. On the streets of uh, New Orleans, because uh, he's always up front and center. I want to talk about some of that. So uh, tune in to part two, folks. Thanks for joining us. And uh, it's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. Check out Jay Mazza at jmazza.com and uh, check out his books on Amazon from there. Cool. See you then. Thank you.